welcome to the 205th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on November 14th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the guy who's living in the next generation, Carlos Rodella. I'm in the future with my PS5. Does it mount into the dashboard of your flying car? Oh, yeah. I can ride on it because it's so big. Like, nice. literally, it's like a flying carpet, but it's a flying PS5. Nice. Uh, it's your transportation and your entertainment all wrapped up into one. Oh, my goodness. You can just, like, sleep on it as a bed. <laughs> well, it's got that little, like, flange or fringe or frill or fin or whatever that thing is. I bet you could kick your feet up on that and be nice and cozy. Yeah, you kind of like uh, it, kind of like tips back and forth. You're like, "Ooh, this is comfortable." Nice. Um, yeah, I'm in the future, but it's the future is really big. And the future is also right now here on episode two zero five, folks. We are back. We are recording a more standard show than normal, but I think we're going to go for something a little different this week. We are recording two shows back to back. Each one will be a little bit shorter than normal, but we're putting out double the output so hopefully that'll balance things out for you the listeners because we know you're hungry for more content we've got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show so carlos i don't know about you but i say let's get right to it oh wait uh, i want to do one quick piece of housekeeping i know i was about to lead into housekeeping okay oh that is what we're doing that okay. is lead in we're doing it right now housekeeping's happening right now yes i didn't want to like make it go long because we already don't have much time and we're talking at two times speed and anyways um <laughs> <laughs> No, just real quick housekeeping is um, I saw this mouse that has a Kickstarter that is kind of crazy. Could make us go on a long. What is, <laughs> is he what? asking for money so he can buy cheese? Like, what is he trying to do? He's a crazy mouse. He's, he, li he, he lives inside my PS5 now. Oh, man. He's getting some money. He's going to get like a little wheel for himself or a new house. What, what does this mouse need? He's got two little fans. He just needs a little extra, like, you know, a sofa, something to make, you know, spruce it up inside there because it's hu so huge already. Um, no, there's no mouse living in my PS5, although he could. Um, I saw a mouse on Kickstarter that, again, it's, he'll want us on a tangent, but we won't do that. But it uses, it basically thinks about your intention, your muscle intention, before you're actually clicking to make you click the mouse faster. It's Let like a predictive mouse. Yes, it's called the Impulse Neuro Controller for PC gaming. It already met its goal which wasn't much money on Kickstarter. So look it up on Kickstarter. You can pick $100 or $200 or whatever and probably just get one uh, because they did get the funding. And what it does is it's a little glove that you put on your hand and you go through a bunch of series of tests and the glove is plugged into the PC. So basically it learns your like gestures and your intention, like your muscles fire uh, before essentially you actually click because your mind is thinking about clicking. So it can register that and let you click faster. Yeah, this it sounds like horseshit. I mean, what is it like? A, like a point zero 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 two seconds time savings or something? Maybe I don't. I didn't go into the details, but I know that it isn't horseshit because it's real. And I use a lot of these um, technology. We aren't, we haven't talked about it on the show ever, but I think as time goes on, we'll get closer to the cyberpunk stuff in real life. And I played a lot of games that used like you know understanding intention. And your, uh, what is it called? Those, you know, those points in your head, the, um, what are they called? Oh, my goodness. Dandruff? No, the points <laughs> on your head. That's a nice way to say it. 
I don't no, know anyways, what you're talking about. It just uses like your the, the sensory input that you're you're giving out, like an energy, and actually does translate it into like video game and computer moves. It's real. Look it up for yourself. We won't go on a tangent, but also I think I think it's pretty cool, especially if you're like a Twitch PC gamer. Um, you might be want to check it out. I mean, maybe like a pro, like if you need that extra point zero two seconds in League of Legends or something, maybe sure. But I kind of wonder how this would benefit anybody other than like a pro performing at the top levels. I only bring it up mainly because a yes, it probably could affect those uh, pro gamers, but also I just kind of been interested in more of that coming into gaming, like us using our true intention and, our, and like you know looking at our brain waves to enter into gaming. I just want to become one with a computer. That's you were rushing us towards a singularity, dude. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Keep human, keep humanity human. Let's not rush and get cyber augments just yet. All right, that's all. I, that's all I had. It's just an interesting little thing. Okay, interesting. What is the name of it again? Uh, it's called the Impulse Neuro Controller, and I, I think it's kind of neat. So just look it up, especially if you're a PC gamer with a lot of those clickings. And it's on Kickstarter right now. Yep, and I think you know it's one of those things where they got funded. So if you just pay the certain money, oh, okay, so they're already like, they made it. They're just taking orders and stuff now. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. All right, cool. There we go. Cybermouse living in the future. Continuing with the theme, let's keep talking about the future. And like we said earlier, the future is now. Carlos, uh, the new generation is upon us. PS5, Xbox X slash S, which is going to trip me up. I think I'm just going to say X just from now on because trying to add the S in there feels like a lot of extra work. Yeah. And it's kind of a tongue twister. We're going to just call it the X, folks. So PS5, Xbox X, it's they're here. They're here now. I mean, not everybody has one. They're really hard to get. I have been un- unable to locate either. Uh, and I, you know, which is fine because I looked in a moment of weakness. I already kind of told myself I wasn't going to jump in right away, had some serious FOMO, started doing some clicking. And then it was like, what am I doing? I can't get one anyway. I'm not going to spend an hour combing the web. Fuck it. So I'm going to go back to my waiting period. But you, Carlos, have joined the next generation. You are now the proud, I assume, owner of a PS5. I am. Uh, like I said earlier, it takes up half of my living room. And You're sleeping on it. It's cooking yeah. dinner for you. You're driving it to where you need to go. It's a bed. It's my vehicle. Uh, the mice live in it. Um, no, it is really fucking big. Like, it's not super heavy because you look at it and you think it's 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 pretty huge, and it is, but it's not very heavy. Um, I think that original Xbox was heavier, and maybe even the Xbox One was heavier. So it's actually kind of surprisingly light, but it's massive. And Do you feel like it's empty, like for heatsink purposes or something? Like, oh, is those it are hollow. Those are motherfucking fans in there. Like that's okay. it's doing a really good job. But, you know, it's been silent as a mouse. Ooh, Ooh. bringing it back, and it's been super quiet. Um, obviously, those fans are in there. They're taking up a huge sp- uh, portion of that case. Um, and I have some pros and cons about the system in a whole, but in general, in general, I fucking love it. Like it okay. is. It is the perfect PlayStation, in my opinion. Like, it's the penultimate. Is that what they say? That is the almost the best. Oh, wait. So it's the ultimate. So it's the ultimate. <laughs> it's the but ultimate But then where do you go after the ultimate? Where do you go after that? How do you do a PS6? Okay, it's the penultimate. I don't know. <laughs> it's really, really good. And so it, what it does is, you know, we had a lot of fears, or I did, about the interface and how that sure. was going to look inside. Sure. It, this is a super short review. We'll bring it up again in other episodes, but it does everything where it just makes sense. Like it takes a little getting used to the main menu or the cross media bar, as it were, is essentially on the bottom of the screen. Now, when you push Mm -hmm. the home button, 
um, and it's much smaller. So it's it's just like, hey, do the things you need to do and then go back to the main menus, which is games and media. So those are the two main like menus on the screen at all times. And that's all you really need. Like you don't really need all the other shit and you really don't want to like the old system PS4. Uh, you had to like scroll through everything, you know, like go over right, left right. and right and go through all my games. And this is really like here, your stuff that you want is right in front of you. And those cards that I was kind of concerned about, they work perfectly. They, they work really, really. Which cards n- are we talking about? Uh, so the car, like most everything in the system has these little cards that can come up and they can give you facts about the game or pro tips um, they can give you like you know little s- sections about the game. Um, is this like if you like if you're kind of hovering mouse you're over something and like a little right. pro tip comes up or like yeah. info? Okay. That, but also when you're in the game. So if you go just like at any point you're in a game, you hit the uh, home button and you'll get these little cards pop up. And so it'll show you. Remember like the percentages of like you know goals that you're trying to do, like and trophies like and that. stuff. Yeah, trophies and even like game specific. So developers can build in, hey, you're only 33% done with this quest you're on. Like specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah, that detail. Interesting. What about the social media integration? Because I was really, at first, I wasn't sure about like the share button on the PS4, but I've grown to love the share button. What is that like on the PS5? What is the integration, the button? How easy is that? Is it the same? Is it better? What's it like? Yeah, I was just going to get to that. It's better. Um, Pretty much, like I said, everything is better. I don't know if I said that yet, but I'm saying it now. Everything is better on this system than the PS4. And all the things that you liked in the PS4 are here and better. So the share button, you hit it. And while you're in game, you can quickly pick the last 15 seconds, the last uh, 30 seconds, uh, 15 minutes and 30 minutes of video. So you can just grab like what you want, which I've always wanted. I didn't want to like have to just rely on what I thought was random. You know, they were just grab, grabbing random It could video. feel random, yeah, for sure, yeah. that experience, yeah. Um, and then also, it lets you just, like, go down there and, and start recording. Like, there's, like, a start recording button. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, which is not, like, last time in PS4, it was, like, bundled in menus somewhere. Um, and there's a bunch of other options right there. And then on top of that, no one's talking about this, but the Share Factory is, like, actually good now. And so what that is is essentially, like, a mini video editor with all these like it comes in with packed in like uh intros and outro templates okay which is really good like if you're a video editor uh or if if you're not you can bring in a clip that you like or bring in a whole whatever series of clips and add transitions add intros outros and some of those intros and outros are awesome like a cyberpunk one to go back to cyberpunk um and just really really cool like it's got a lot of uh, post processing that you can do on your clips so it, again, if it's, if it's everything a PS4 had, but better, uh, the accessibility options are ridiculous. Like there's so many good things about changing text. Um, and this uh, is at the system level, right? In like, the just system like level? The, yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's just so much you could do with how you look at the PlayStation. Um, and yeah, in general, it's awesome. Now it doesn't have that function that everybody has been talking about with the Xbox where you can jump from game to game. So oh, who cares? I mean, honestly, who cares about that? Right. So this is my, I was going to do this in the beginning of the show, but this is my little bit of shade throwing towards Xbox. There's a lot of stuff that's coming out recently about uh, the Series X and all these kind of good features. Most of the stuff I see, I just don't think I would use. And case in point, I don't need to switch between two games. If I'm focusing on a game, I'm focusing on that game. Right. Um, but what it does have 
because of the SSD is insanely fast times to come back into a game because, you know, I put it in a rest mode just now. I'm playing Assassin's Creed. And when I go back, I'm always surprised that I'm already in the game. Like I, right, I go, right. yeah, I go back to the game and I'm like, okay, now it's going to load. I'll go get a drink. And they're like, no, you, you want to play or what? Interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. We're already in the game. So it's lightning fast to come back to a game but it doesn't have that function to switch between two games. But I, I don't see the need. I, I don't really see that being necessary either, dude. Like, yeah. I mean, if the, the drive uh, are so fast and the loading so fast, what's another five seconds if you're not actually suspending your, I mean, who cares? Like I, I don't jump back and forth between games like that. I finish up what I'm doing and then I move on. I don't need to like hop back. I, I can't see that being a, a use case for me, but whatever. Yeah. And then of course, when it comes to the media, you know, you download all the same apps you had in your PS4, uh, you watch your Netflix, you do all that stuff. It looks great. Um, it's just great. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of games that I played in a minute here, but in general, uh, the system, I'm going to give it, um, we don't do numbers, but I'm going to give it a nine, like nine or 9.5. It's like pretty much perfect. All right. Before we move on and talk about some games, let's stay on the hardware for just a minute here. Um, so a couple of questions for you. Number one, what is the store like? And is there a wish list? And number two, tell us about the controller. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, you're so good at this. It's like you're interviewing me for the PS5. <laughs> it's like we've done a podcast before. It's like we're doing podcasting. Um, oh, by the way, before I get into your questions, I also got the Pulse headset, um, which I might actually have to use for the recordings of these podcasts because my wireless headset will probably and die And is this the me. Sony branded one or what the is Sony, Sony, yeah, Sony? Yeah, the PlayStation brand. one. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Pulse, and most people, and they're right, say you don't have to buy a new headset. If you have a really good 3D audio uh, headset, it's fine. But the PS5 uses 3D audio um, probably more than the PS4 did, and it is pretty apparent in some games. So I would recommend getting a 3D audio headset, and this is one that comes, uh, you know, that is sold by Sony. And I would say I love it just because it's pretty light, and a lot of my other headphones feel a little heavy on me. Uh, this one is like, I almost forget it's there. It's like super light. Hmm. Um, very much love it. I very much love it. It's called the Pulse head, head, uh, Headset. So when it comes to uh, the controller, it's a kind of revelation. Because essentially what, I, what I'm trying to say about the controller, and what I, the simplest thing I can say, is I never want to go back. Like it does, the adaptive triggers really come into play. Um, obviously certain games are going to have to utilize it, but the, the adaptive triggers essentially mean when you pull them or push down on them, they can have different tension variability, which that sounds like interesting, but when you actually are doing it and you're pulling back a bow for like a bow and arrow, it, it just feels right. Like it feels like, oh, this is how it's always should have felt when I did a bow and arrow, you know? Okay. Um, and also the dual sense is, and you'll see a lot of this in my review in a minute on Astro's Playroom, you know, it vibrates not in a, like a low, medium, high. It's like an all over the controller kind of vibration. So if this is a little bit of a spoiler, but in Astro's Playroom, there's rain that falls down. And when the rain falls down, it like hits your little umbrella and you feel it all over the controller, not like in one spot. You know, it's okay, like okay. many places. So the controller itself just feels great. It's a little heavier than the PS4. But you get used to that, and all the kind of rumblings and the vibrations and triggers just make it feel like another piece of hardware. You know, it's not just a controller. Interesting, interesting. Well, yeah. so what about the store? Number one, is the interface different? And number two, 
Uh, Wishlist is a place where PlayStation really fell down super hard last generation because it was only available uh, through the PC interface. It was never available through the console, which I thought was a tremendous oversight uh, that both the Switch and the Xbox One managed to provide. Is there, is there a Wishlist? What is the store like? What does it look like? Yeah, it, um, I was a little afraid about it when we were talking earlier because it's not like a destination. It's just kind of like a lot of things in the PS5, just integrated, right? So mm-hmm. where you would just, you're in the game section, you just kind of go down a little bit, and now you see some games popping up, and those are games you can buy. Um, so they obviously can feature a bunch of stuff. So you're just kind of like in, not in a store, but you're in the section that they're selling PS5 games. So you're like, oh, obviously these are the ones they want to feature. You go down another row. Here's some of the newer ones, um, maybe a, a sale they're doing. You go down a little further, and you can do the same thing where you go down far enough, and that's, this time it's down and not like through a bunch of menus. It's just kind of pushing your controller downward, and you get to the PS5 games, right? Like Then you can go to all games. Okay. Um, it's easier than PS4 to do that, right? Because it was very convoluted how to get to all games. So it's pretty easy, but yes, there's a wish list. And I know because I knew right away something was off because I went to a game that I liked and I was like, oh, I want this. And there was just a little wish list button. And I go, bing. Ooh, that felt good. And then I went to the coming soon section, which they have as well, uh-huh. uh, which is pretty great. So you don't have to like go to a, like a pre-order screen. It's just sure, like sure. coming soon. So I went to the coming soon and I watched all the trailers and I have a 4K TV. So I looked at some of like, you know, the real 4K trailers. Right. And I was like, ooh, now I'm really excited. Wish list. Ooh, I'm like excited about this one too. Wish list. <laughs> and I, I saw so many more games that I that I don't think I would have ever done on PS4. Maybe because of the wish list or maybe because of how they set up the coming soon section. But I really like the coming soon section. I really like the um, quick ability to get to the all games. And yeah, it's 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 better. Like I said, it's all better. Okay. All right. That sounds good. That sounds really favorable. Sounds pretty good. Um, I'm sure we will talk about this more in depth. Um, so we have to ask you, Carlos, we can pivot right now to your games that are on the PS5, or we can talk about some of the games that I have, which are are, are, the, are old gen, the old tech and stuff. What do you want to do? You want to keep it going with PS5 or you want to switch for a minute? Let's do this. Um, let's talk about Asher's Playroom now because it kind of uh, piggybacks on the controller talk. Okay. And then you go to your games and then we'll do Bug Snacks at the end for me. Let's do it. Astro's Playroom. This is the non-VR sequel or expansion or what is... Because this Astro's, Astro, the first Astro bot, I think, was the big kind of system seller for PSVR. Yeah. Uh, but this one is not PSVR, correct? Yeah. No, this is not PSVR. This is just for... To showcase the controller. It's really a controller demo. Okay. Uh, and I don't think people are really talking about that or framing it that way, but that's mainly what this is. It's okay. also a celebration of PlayStation as a whole, like the brand. Um, and it's a short game, maybe four hours, I want to say, right, four or five right. hours. I mean, pretty and good for a demo. Pretty good for a demo. And it, and it's really, really it makes you feel great. Like right now with a lot of world stuff that makes you feel bad, this does the opposite. You're always smiling. You're always having a good time in this world. And essentially it's Astro running through a bunch of different worlds, but all the worlds are based on the PlayStation 5 and the consoles themselves. So let me ask one, you this quick, Carl. Yeah, so number one, Astro is the robot, right? Yeah, Astro's the robot. And did this come with the PS5, or did you have to buy this separately? Yeah, it comes with every PS5. Comes with it. Okay, so you just included like a virtual pack-in <laughs> if you buy the console, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Thank you. Yep. 
Um, so the different worlds are like one world is called the Cooling Springs, and it's all about kind of centered around the fans in the actual PlayStation Five. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's obviously like you know a whole world of stuff, and then there might be like some fans and some wind type stuff. But again, it's showcasing different features of the controller. Um, another world is the SSD land. One world's memory land. So you get the idea. Gotcha. And in the worlds, there's all these little robots. I guess this was in the original Astro as well. But a bunch of like Astro bots like you are hanging out, you know? Was that in the original? A bunch of little I guys I never like played you? it because I don't have PSVR, but I, I heard about it. I, I, I assume so. Okay. Well, what they're doing in every land is they're like putting on these little scenes and like one's a camera guy and the other ones are doing out a scene and they're acting out scenes from PlayStation games. Oh, like other games. Yeah, yeah, like there's Last of Us, there's Uncharted, there's like <laughs> Bloodborne, there's a little scene of Bloodborne. But with little robots in place. With of little the robots, yeah, oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Okay. And some of them are actually playing video games in like a little window. You could see them in like a living room playing video games on a TV. It's like super cute. Um and then on top of that, when you beat things or like unlock stuff, you get coins. You can take these coins and um, get puzzle pieces, but also you find in the world just collectibles, and all the collectibles are PlayStation stuff. So you find a PS2, and you find uh, you know the TV remote, and you find the PS4 and the the big PS3 and all that stuff. And then that's kind of fun. And then you bring that back to a hub, and you kind of look at all the different you know things from the PlayStation's world. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that's it's like a celebration of that, but also again. Uh, it's showing what the controller can do. So one level has you jumping into a robot and like another robot and you are using the triggers to, you know, uh, kind of do the arrow bone arrow thing where you're pulling down on it and letting go and your little robot jumps in the air, gravity, et cetera, and just kind of, you know, physics based. And then there's one where you're holding on to things and you've got to like use the six axis. And normally I hate that stuff, but it seemed to work pretty well. And then, like I said before, it's using a lot of different um, rumbling technology on the controller. So, like, you're in the rain, you feel the rain on the controller. When you're on sand, it somehow feels different. When you're on ice, it somehow feels different. I can't explain it until you actually hold the controller in your hand because it's just a controller, right? Like, it's just vibrating different, but it feels like different surfaces. It really Interesting. does. Interesting. Uh, and then mixed with the 3D audio, which they really focus on, like doing sounds on you know left and right side and and uh, and messing around with that stuff. The whole thing comes together and just really showcases what the controller can do. And it's a fun like you know Nintendo game. Like it feels like a Nintendo game. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I heard the first Astro um, was like I said earlier the system seller for PSVR. I heard it was a great game from everybody who played it. So I was a little bit. Uh, disappointed to miss out on that because I'm not into PSVR, but I definitely will look into this one. And if it comes with a console, then of course, why not? I mean, you're going to play it regardless, right? Yeah, you almost have to because I feel like I feel like I had to go through the whole thing to to see all the types of potential that the controller could do, you know. And yeah. that's really cool. I have one con about this game. Okay, what is the con? And it's fucked up, and I'm so mad when they do this, developers. Especially with your packing game where you're showing me the controller. Uh, it's easy enough. I got to the end. But the end boss, while very entertaining, and I won't spoil it, very interesting what they do. There's two stages of a boss. You know how they do that? Sure. Where, like you beat one stage and it's your, you have like almost no life left. 
and you get to the next stage and you're like, if you don't do it, you're fucked. Right. And they start you all over at the beginning. So they did that, and then I didn't beat it because <laughs> I was like, I don't know, my 10th try? And I was like, no, nope, I got the idea. I, I understand what the controller does. I'm, oh, so you didn't finish it at all? I No, I, I got to the very last boss, and I didn't beat him. So you didn't... <laughs> So you didn't, you didn't, that's weird that they would make a four hour controller demo have a really difficult boss like that. Now I might be just bad at video games. People listen here like, Carlos, I did it in my first try. What's wrong with you? But I'm sorry. Not all of us play games the same way and they're tricky and they fucking make you jump and hover over stuff. And it's, I don't know. I hate it. I hate um, that ending. So uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I guess there's always YouTube. All right. That sounds like otherwise a, a very positive experience. And also your impressions of the PS5. Um, we got to stop talking about it because you're going to make me go back to like Amazon and start clicking around and see if I can find one. And I, I promised myself I would not do that right now. So let's quickly uh, move on. I got a couple games should. to talk about. No, 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 no. I can't. No, 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 no. Put, okay. a, put a pin in that. I'll put a pin uh, in it. But, but yeah, let me, everybody who has a PlayStation 5, obviously play through the whole thing besides that boss. Uh, yes, that sounds very cool. We'll definitely do that. Okay, let me take over for a little bit. Let me talk about some games real quick. We have one more PS5 game to talk about, and then we're a couple more things. We got we got a full show. Full show today. Um, really quickly, we don't need to do a deep dive on this, but I wanted to bring up The Last of Us Part Two. I know that you played it, and we oh. talked about it on the show a while ago. Did, did we ever talk about it when I started playing it, or did we not no, talk about that? No, no, we okay. didn't. Yeah, We don't have to get super far into this. And in fact, I wasn't even going to bring it up, except for I was talking to... Uh, Mike Susky, who is a Game Critics writer, and he was asking if I was going to bring it up, so I told him that I would at least mention it on the show. Uh, so this section is dedicated to Mike Susky. Um, so, yeah, did you finish The Last of Us Part Two, or how did you, no where did you end way. up on that? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about a little bit. I mean, I'll jump in while you're doing your review and, okay. and some stuff, but in general, I didn't want to finish it. So, okay, I'm kind of with you on that. So here's 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 where I'm coming from, really quickly. I really liked The Last of Us Part 1 very, very much. Um, not a perfect game, but I really enjoyed the time that I spent with Joel and Ellie. I thought the writing was really good. I really liked the ending of how it ended. I know some people have a big problem with the ending. I thought it was a great ending and pretty appropriate to what was going on. Uh, it was just like a really good experience all the way through. I mean, not a happy experience necessarily, but I felt like it was it was pretty good. And I, I felt content with that in fact i kind of felt at the end of the last of us kind of the same way i kind of felt like at the end of the walking dead that telltale put out i'm not going to spoil that ending but i feel like the ending of the walking dead part one series one was great and i was having a really hard time imagining where that could even go didn't even really want it to go anywhere kind of felt the same way about the last of us right it's good wonderful ending you ended it bang on let's not keep going so i was a little bit concerned about the last of us part two because i just i honestly didn't feel like it needed a sequel or if it did do a sequel i was kind of hoping it would go to like a totally different part of the world or like a brand new story i mean they've they've created this universe or this world and there's there's tons of stories that can be told in there uh but obviously they went with joel and ellie again and uh you know i'm not going to get into story spoilers this is not a spoiler section uh, but what happened was, as I started playing this game, I mean, obviously it's a beautiful game graphically and stuff, but I just had a hard time connecting with the story. Um, again, not to spoil it, but I felt like my my mental conception of who Ellie was as a character after The First Last of Us didn't quite match up with how they were portraying her in The Last of Us Part Two, And I just, it didn't feel like it got there for me in terms of who she was. And so as you go on this journey... Uh, about what she's doing. I mean, obviously, she, you know, you're playing as Ellie and you're doing a bunch of stuff. I just wasn't, like, super invested in it. 
Um, they go to Seattle pretty quickly. It's like the very first section of the game, so this is not a spoiler. And I thought that was pretty neat. They experimented with some open world um, design, which I thought was kind of a cool thing. Uh, and that was pretty good. But as I kept putting some time into the game, I honestly... So a couple things. Number one, I honestly got kind of bored with the gameplay because I felt like there was a lot of it, like too much of it. And yeah. too much of it felt kind of silly. Like even in the Seattle section, which is very early in the game, I was getting to parts where there'd be like a bunch of those fungus zombies in a room and like outside the room would be like humans and like the humans were not reacting to the zombies and the zombies were not reacting to the humans. And I'm like, what is even going on here? Like, how is how am I going through this room full of fungus zombies? And then there's like humans right outside. Like this, it doesn't hold together like realistically. Like it was kind of pulling me out of it. I was going to um, say that same thing because that's exactly where I was starting to drop off because it's the video gameness of it, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah. oh, do another generator because there's, I don't know, 12 of them that need to get restarted. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff, the generators for sure. I was like, okay, so a lot of this feels kind of video gamey. Like it feels kind of like you're making me go through a bunch of stuff because you don't want me to get through your game too fast. So I, I was having a little bit of hesitation right there. I was still okay to kind of push through ish, but then I, I mean, again, not to spoil it, but where the story goes, I just was really dropping off. Like I just wasn't on board with what was going on. So I kind of got between that and the, and the, the gameplay wearing out for me, I stopped and Mike Susky wrote a blog post about uh, his take on the story and the script. He finished the game. He did not like the game. Uh, in the end, uh, in his final assessment, he did not care for it. I went to read his blog post and I'm glad that I kind of did because I stopped at the tail end of Seattle. In fact, I think I got to the very last section of the Seattle portion and I stopped playing. And after I read what he had to say about the game, I'm glad that I didn't push on because I feel like it's, you know, it sounds weird to say this, but I feel like it's one of these things where it could like retroactively ruin what you liked about the first game. <laughs> yes. And I like, I, I love the first game. Don't ruin that for me. And it sounds weird to think that your memories could be ruined like that, but I think they can. Yeah. And I, I just, I just stopped. I didn't want to keep going. So, I mean, that seems kind of like where you ended up on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I totally understand when you say that because it is like other TV shows and stuff that keep going. Right. And I, I, I'm brought back to the walking dead uh, or the walking yeah. dead video game or, or something like things. Dexter or something like that. Or like, right, you know, right. uh, um, what's that one? A game of Thrones or something where it can be so great, but if you fuck up the ending or something bad happens, it kind of shits on the rest of it. It kind of messes up the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely see that. And that's where I was starting to feel it in Seattle, like the end of Seattle, like you said, where I'm like, this is a lot of video gameness and the video gameness is taking me out of it. And also the story, where are you going? Because I don't, I'm, as you know, there's like a huge spoiler in the beginning. Sure. A really sure. big moment. And even that like turned me off really badly. So yeah, uh, I guess we're both happy that we didn't finish it. Yeah. Yeah. So I left it there. Um, and I talked about that a little bit on Twitter. I had a couple people who approached me um, and they were all very, you know, they were not the, the people who had problems. They were like, let's talk about it. I have a different perspective. And I really enjoyed having those discussions. Louis Fiatro wrote me like a book about it. And I really appreciated what he had to say. He had a really measured response and he, he really thought about it a lot. He's a very thoughtful dude. I encourage everybody here on the podcast to follow him. He's got a lot of good stuff to say about games. Um, so we had a good discussion. I don't know that I feel the same way. I don't know that I would feel the same way. Um, and knowing what I know about the script, I already feel kind of prejudiced against it a little bit. So I think I'm just going to leave it there. I don't think I'm going to finish it. And I think I'm content with The Last of Us Part 1 and just to call it good there. Yeah, just keep that in your memory. You're like, yeah, this is how it ended. <laughs> I mean, I, yes, I think that's where I'm going to end up. So that's yeah. it. That is The Last of Us Part 2. No spoilers. There we go. Um, let me talk about another game real quick. Uh, Crown Trick 
on the Switch. I believe it's also on PC. Don't know where else it is, but I'm playing it on the Switch. This is Embrace Yourself, Carlos. Um, okay. Throwing you for a loop here. It's a roguelike. Get ready. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> can we it stop? A, no, we can. Recording. We're never stopping. We're never stopping. <laughs> this is a really good one, though. So this is um, a top-down, kind of isometric 2D roguelike. It is in the classic style of roguelike, which actually developers have gotten away from recently. But if you go a little bit further back, something like a Shiren, or maybe even like a, a mystery dungeon, Pokemon mystery dungeon even, where nothing in the in the game happens until the player makes a move, and then once you make a move, everybody else in the dungeon makes a move. That's like what I think of as like the classic roguelike formula. And we haven't seen a lot of that lately, but this one goes back. So it's kind of like an OG throwback. Very simple, very straightforward. You have a little girl who goes into these dream worlds. Every time you die, she wakes up. So that's how they explain it being a roguelike. Like every time you do a dungeon, it's like a dream. If you make it, then you move on. If you don't make it, then it's like she wakes up from the dream and you try again. Uh, and the mechanics are just really, really well done. There's a bunch of weapons you can find. You can unlock some new weapons for your next playthrough. A bunch of different powers. You can get... Uh, mini bosses you fight these mini bosses if you beat them you can get their powers and then you add those to your repertoire which is pretty neat i think the turn-based system is implemented really well graphics are beautiful they're hand-drawn graphics and they just look great it's very colorful very crisp lots of personality to those and they also do this one little twist which i think is really brilliant in a game like this where you you know everything is turn by turn you can sometimes get yourself in a real fucking pickle if you're not careful about how you're moving. You can get uh, cornered or maybe you get in a real bad spot where there's just no way to get out and then a run goes in the toilet because you got outmaneuvered or maybe there's too many enemies in the room. They give her a little teleport and it's not something you can abuse because you have to like kind of recharge it by doing certain motions. Like if you attack enough people or if you, um, you know, get a critical hit on somebody, like it recharges your teleport. But it's good because... If you get yourself pinned down, you can just teleport a couple squares away and just keep going. So it like really avoids a lot of the downer you can get by making just like one simple mistake and then your whole run is fucked, which mm. is not a good feeling, right? Like they really make it playable. They really make it accessible. Everything is really clearly laid out. Uh, and it's just it's just a really, really well done classic roguelike. I think they nail every element that they want to do. Plus, it's beautiful. Plus, I think it's just super playable. Great fit on the Switch. So Wait, let me ask you a question about the yeah. uh, do you do you get stuff? Do you get to keep stuff? That's my biggest question with roguelikes because I know, right? And generally I don't want to play them if I don't feel like I'm getting some sort of progression. There is some progression. You can unlock um, these people that are at the home base. So every time you start a run, you can ac access certain things. And you do like slowly level up. You get like increased stats uh, and a little perks and stuff. So it's not like you're never going to be like super OP but just by playing a thousand times, but you get enough of an advantage where it definitely feels like the, the plays get easier, like you've got more magic or you've got more abilities unlocked or you've got more weapons unlocked. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely some progression. It's not super strong, but I think for me, it was enough to make me feel like it was worth worth playing. And just the play itself is just, it's just really good, like really solid. If you like one of those classic roguelikes, like the old flavor, like a Shiran or a Mystery Dungeon or something like that, this one is great. They nail everything they want to do. Um, it's kind of like, uh, it's not going to redefine the genre but if you like this style of game it's perfectly done really well done crown cool. trick playing it on switch i think it's great and the you like the the art that's always a big thing the art you. is wonderful yeah. i love the art super super good okay but so that is wait hold oh, on real quick because you're bringing up you're talking about uh, dreams and talking about roguelikes this just reminds me i've never mentioned this on the show i don't know if you played it but have you played dreamscaper dreamscaper does not ring a bell is it right, PC only? write it down it's uh steam Oh, wait, it's fucking PC. Let's see yeah. if it's... Um, it's, like, super easy. To, you should just play it on PC. I don't know what's wrong with you. Anyways, 
Uh, I think it's only on Steam right now, so I guess you'll wait. But it's a kind of like a uh, roguelike, but with Diablo. And the girl goes through different dream worlds, and it's beautiful art. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. Um, so just put it down in your notes, and for people listening, Dreamscaper, uh, it, the tagline is dream, die, wake, repeat. Um, and it's like a Diablo, but with beautiful, colorful graphics, and it's roguelike. Dreamscaper. I'm going to write that down and type it down right now. But no, if it's not on a console, I probably have not played it. Okay, cool. Right. Dreamscaper. P- yep. on, okay. Let's go back to you for a minute here, Carlos. Uh, let's get back to PS5 World. Bug Snacks coming from the developers of Octodad, which I love Octodad. That is a brilliant fucking game. Uh, how did you like Octodad? Did you play yeah, it? Yeah, it's fun. It was really fucking hard because you just fall, fell everywhere, but it was really funny and, and I, I did like it. Yeah, I played it a while ago. I love Octodad. So I was very excited to see that this was the next game from the Octodad people. I mean, as far as I know, it's the next game. I don't know of them doing anything else. It is now on the PS5. You've played it. I, You know, honestly, I don't know much about it. We saw a couple trailers, but it was kind of hard to tell exactly what was going on other than the fact that, like, the bugs were shaped like food. So that's kind of all (laughs) I know about it. And it reminded me of, like, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs or one of those type of movies. So tell us all about Bug Snacks, Carlos. Yeah, originally when we saw this on, um, what was it, the Game Awards or somewhere, they Mm -hmm, did that big mm -hmm. trailer. And then it got, like, uh, this huge meme treatment. Like, people were, like, memeing it, and it was, like, it was a meme. Um, because it was so ridiculous and over the top and weird. And I remember when I first saw it come on, I thought it was just like a joke. I was like, this can't really be a game, right? There's bugs bugs that are also pizza, and then you somehow capture them, and then you also eat them? What's going on? So, uh, and full disclosure, the only reason I'm playing this game or played it, I'm still playing it, is because it comes free with PlayStation Plus. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was with the PS Plus, if you have a PS5 only, not for PS4. Okay, well, there I didn't know that. Uh, but what a special happy day for Carlos. Gets his PS5, gets um, Astro to play, and Bug Snacks for free. So it's a free PS5, PlayStation Plus. It is first-person Pokemon Snap meets uh, kind of like Trover Saves the Universe, where it's like it's kind of adult but also kind of for kids and weird little characters, but they have more empathetic and human emotions i don't know if that's i was a terrible expression i mean i'm i'm okay i mean i'm, I'm following you, you well you also don't you, you didn't play trover saves universe did you no i didn't i know i know of it because i yeah. re- edited the damn reviews like two or three times so i know about it but i haven't yeah played it, basically no. what i'm saying is it's pokemon snap but it's done by the people who made octodad and it's its own thing and you are it's a first person game so you land on an island called Snacktooth Island and you're a in quotes journalist and you're supposed to be doing a report on someone there but uh the person Elizabeth is gone missing and so you meet all the residents of this island and investigate all these weird bug snacks that are floating and walking and digging around and you learn about them and then you of course have to capture them like that's the whole game is capturing these bug snacks but then when you capture them, you also feed them to some of the residents. And when you feed a bug snack to a resident, for some fucking reason, a body part of theirs turns into part of the thing they just ate. That sounds so gross. It's weird as, as hell. And the only thing that I don't like about the game, because it doesn't, <sighs> I don't know why they're doing that. And I don't, I don't know why. But there's definitely some pros coming. So my cons in the beginning are, it's just silly and weird and 
it doesn't feel right. Like the, you feed someone like a pizza bug, so it's alive, right? So the the, the person, the resident's eating this pizza bug, and then their like leg turns into a piece of pizza. That yeah, it sounds like a really bad dream I had one time, and I don't want to revisit that. It's and now we need to go into that dream. I'm really interested. <laughs> um, so okay, so that's the premise, and that's what the gameplay is like. Your first person running around taking pictures, you know, scanning these bug snacks, learning their weaknesses, learning how to catch them. Every way to catch them is kind of a different way, and and the puzzles are kind of interesting and fun to do. Like, give us an example. Like, what's a yeah. what's a typical? Example? I'll give you an example. Um, so there. Um, in the very beginning, there's like a little strawberry. Of course, they all have special names. And just like Pokemon, they say their name, you know, when they're walking around. So it's like a bug that looks like a strawberry. Yeah. So it's like a little, okay. I forgot what the first one's called. And it was the first one, straw something. And, um, you know, he, you, you uh, scan his little bush and you find his little path. So that's a really easy one. You're like, oh, his path is this way. So I'll put the trap down when he's, he's away. When he comes back, I'll get him. And you have a little trap. But then you get new tools too. So later on you get a slingshot, you get other different tools to you know, solve different puzzles. Another one, which is really interesting is there's a ketchup tree for reasons. And you get pick up all this ketchup from the ketchup tree, put it in your slingshot. And there's these little burger monsters. And I love how I'm not remembering any of the names of the snacks. Um, so the burger monsters like ketchup. So in order to get capture a burger monster, you have to throw ketchup on two different ones so that they go running at each other because they both love ketchup. And they're like, oh, there's ketchup on that burger. And the other one, there's ketchup on that burger. And they run into each other and they knock each other out. And then you can pick them up. So stuff like that, like silly weird things. But hey, here, hold on. I can see you leaving already. Uh, My eyes are kind of rolling in the back of my head right now. You're like inching away from the podcast, Mike. Here is the reason why I'm still playing it. And definitely going to beat it because the voice acting is very good the characters you meet are outlandish looking puppets they look like muppets or puppets you know but they have emotional depth and there is something else going on here on this island because the main character you talk to again don't do homework forgot his name but he is like super like an incredible voice actor and you immediately have empathy for him the way he like trails off when he talks about the woman who's missing and it was all his fault and he's now the mayor but he's like but no one listens to me <laughs> you know and he's like super sad everything every person you meet there's like other things going on there like one guy his wife left him but but they don't tell why like so it's like they have human emotions human stories going on human drama but it's like a world full of bug snacks does that make any sense I mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, and I think I understand the shape of it. Uh, me personally, and again, I mean, I am, I love Octodad, right? So I, I'm, I'm somebody who's willing to give this game a shot. I mean, I'm open-minded to it. I don't have a PS5 now. I don't know if it's on the other systems. Do you know? We, I know we don't do homework, but is it on the other systems? I don't I'm know. I'm guessing it came out for PS4, too. I would guess so. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not a big fan of first-person games, and the whole pizza thing, your leg turning into pizza is kind of gross <laughs> to me, but... I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until you report back. I'm sure you'll talk about it maybe when you wrap it up and we can see what you thought of it overall. I, it's uh, a sh- yeah, it's a short game, so I'm going to wrap it up because I need to know that answer. And you know right in the beginning, like it starts raining. The guy, the main character you're talking to is super sad. You talk to someone else. She like runs away and slams the door. You're like, what's going on in this island? Like, what's really going on? You know, um, 
and there's some funny voice acting and funny like scenes that are happening so i just kind of put away the body part thing because that's the only thing that doesn't make no sense to me um besides that like, capturing the bugs is fun and the emotional depth of this game i think is surprising so obviously it was a really easy choice for me because it was free but i would say if you like a pokemon snap game you know you want pokemon snap and with a little bit of human drama that's what this game is interesting interesting okay so that is bug snack uh bug snacks excuse me with an x snacks all right we are almost out of time on this episode i'm gonna bump a couple games to the next episode but i gotta talk about at least one more and i would like to talk about really quickly uh little hope which is part of the oh man i'm blanking on it what you know the the scary game from the people who made until dawn what is the oh yeah what is it hold on i'm doing some i'm doing some really do the homework yeah do the homework right now the Dark Pictures Anthology. Yes, it's a series yes. of games coming from the people, Supermassive, who made Until Dawn. Uh, the first one was Man of Medan. Uh, this one is called Little Hope. They've just announced the third one coming soon. I don't remember what that one's called. Wait, wait. Can we uh, pause for a second? Yeah, yeah. We never talked about Man of Medan on the show, right? Mm, I don't think so. So I, I loved so. Until Dawn to death. I really... Okay. Oh, wait. Pun intended. Ding. Oh, dang. To death. Um... And I don't think we talked about it on the show because it was before my time here on the podcast. You very likely so, yeah. Yeah, fucking great. Uh, I never played any of these new series. Should I be doing that? Should I play the first one? Oh, you haven't played Man of Medan? No. Oh, okay, okay. So, okay, so not to, not to bring you that. all the way back, but no, I'm, no, no, I'm no, like, no, now fine. I'm interested. You know, put a pin in that, and then I think we will circle back to the end of this. So let me tell okay. you about Little Hope first. So, what the 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 Dark Anthology is is that it's a series of smaller sized games which basically take the same structure of until dawn you start off with a group of usually you know attractive looking uh 20 somethings or legal teenagers you know legal age teenagers and you go in some kind of scary thing in the first uh man of medan that was about people investing in a ghost ship which was actually pretty interesting in little hope it's about people who are on a bus they get a detour in the middle of some deep dark woods and they go to this like really fucked up town uh, in the middle of nowhere, and of course, strange stuff happens. I don't want to spoil anything. This is not a spoiler section, but so what? You, what this is is it's a game that's designed for, I guess, multiplayer experience. The everything about this game says play this with a friend, play this with a friend, and I think that's great. If you have a friend online who can join you, I think that's a really interesting experience. I played Man of Medan like that, where my wife was on her PS4 in one uh, half of the room. And we promised each other not to look at each other's screens, so it would be a surprise. I was playing on my PS4 on the other side of the room, and we joined up together to play Man of Medan. You can do that again in Little Hope. And the guy who reviewed it for us at Game Critics, Dan Weissenberger, he says that is the best way to play this game. I trust him on that. He's like a horror expert. But this time around, we played it like couch co-op. It was kind of a family event. Um, We sat on the couch, me and my wife together. Our son joined us as well, and we all gathered around. My wife held the controller, and as you play the game... You basically walk around with your group of people and the perspective shifts between each one of the members of your party, depending on what part of the story you're in. So, you know, you start off with like uh, the teenage guy who's like the leader. It uh, switches over later to the older guy, switches over to a younger girl or whatever. Like whoever's in your group, it kind of rotates between them. And part of it is like managing the responses to each one of the party. So let's say, for example, if you're in a scary space and the girl says, I'm really scared, you can say either 
oh, suck it up. Or you could be like, yeah, it's really scary in here or something like that. So you can choose to kind of navigate those relationships. And the game tells you immediately, like if you're building a relationship or if you're taking away from the relationship. Uh, also, there's like items to pick up that you'll see in the, in the areas. It's from behind the back third person. So as you explore places, you'll see items around with like a little glint or like a spark. And it know that lets you know you can pick that thing up. So you pick up some items and depending on what you have in your inventory at a time uh, will kind of uh, help steer the story. And just like Until Dawn, the big trick of uh, Little Hope and also of Man of Medan is that you can actually lose characters along the way. So you can, you may start off with like five or six people. It's always possible to either kill them all or let them all survive. But I think most people will probably fall somewhere in the middle where you might lose one or two, but most of your party will make it out depending on what you do, depending on what you say. So, I mean, we kind of watch it as like a family group experience watching a horror movie kind of the same way we would we would watch like any horror movie except we're actually playing through it so mm. we would get to a choice and you know it would be like oh do we want to be mean or do we want to be nice do we want to grab the axe or do we want to grab the gun you know like we would all kind of talk about it really quickly and vote within the family and then we would kind of progress the story so from that perspective i think that these games until dawn man of medan little hope are really really cool i love that group horror experience it's just really fun we talk about it talk about how stupid the characters are or why oh my god why are you doing that and don't go in there yeah, and, you yeah, know, that, yeah. that whole kind of thing is really fun about little hope specifically uh i want to say again no spoilers that the story was really interesting really really interesting uh until they got to the very end and i i feel like that the, the writers maybe had two really good separate ideas and maybe when they got to the end they couldn't decide what they wanted to do so they just mashed them together rather than picking one and, and choosing it. So it's really fascinating. We were really hooked on it all the way through. We really wanted to know what was going to happen. Uh, but when we got to the end, we were like, you know, that was really unsatisfying because it felt like the developers just didn't know which way they wanted to go. So instead they gave you both and it didn't really make a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, a little bit unsatisfying, but overall a great experience. I would definitely recommend it if you've got other people around. If you're playing it by yourself... Still an okay experience, um, still interesting, but not as rich as Until Dawn. Um, the difference being Until Dawn was much longer. I think it was more complicated. I think there were more hooks and triggers that you could kind of um, experience with your party. These ones, Little Hope and Man of Medan, both feel very streamlined. They're very light. Um, they're designed to get through them pretty quickly. I think they're both about four hours long or something like that. So it's like an extended movie viewing, basically, sort of experience. And I think they really do want you to do it in a group. So you can play them, and I think they're still good, but it's not the same, like, meteor kind of experience that uh, Until Dawn was. I have a question. So um, I can't remember in Until Dawn, but there was multiple endings, or was it just the fact that you could lose people? Um, I believe there were multiple, I think at least six or eight different endings, and that's true of all the other games as well. Okay. Um, after we finished Little Hope, we got the ending we got, we jumped on YouTube immediately, and there was, like, at least like five other endings that you could have gotten. Now they're not all radically different. I mean, some of them are pretty different, but some of them were like, Oh, this one detail changed because of this one thing. So maybe like, you know, one or two really diverse ones and the rest are kind of variations of those. Right. Not like that. What was the other game? Almost human. Is that it? I, uh, yeah, uh, no, no, no. Uh, no I know no. what you're talking about. The David Cage one. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a, a gazillion potentials or something. Um, supposedly, I don't think it really was, but, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I remember finishing until dawn and going like I had like I think I had three people left or something and okay. just wondering what how many other options were, uh, you know, how that ending could have changed. But it sounds like it hasn't changed drastically. Um, 
But yeah, it sounds fun. And, and also, I like that idea of like, essentially, it's watching a horror movie with somebody. And yeah. Like, oh, don't go in there. Oh, but wait, we can make the decision. <laughs> don't go in there. It's a cool thing. I mean, these games are not the greatest, honestly. I mean, they're a little bit on the simple side. I kind of wish they were a little bit more in-depth, like I give you a little bit more to do. But I, I realize they're trying to keep it light so that, you know, if you're with a group of people, maybe you're drinking, maybe you're not, maybe you're having pizza or something. You don't want it to be like super, you don't want to be doing like inventory management and shit because it's like a bummer for everybody who's not playing the game, right? So yeah. you got to keep it light. It's more of a very viewer-oriented participation sort of experience, which I get. I could maybe do a little bit more depth, but I think they're still really good. But Until Dawn, I think, is the deepest one, and Little Hope and Man of Medan are both like on the lighter, like you know, movie plus sort of experiences. Yeah, I feel like the reason why maybe I originally said I I love Until Dawn to death is because a lot of this stuff is when the game comes out. Remember, we've talked about this many times. Uh, when moments happen in your life or when you're playing a certain game. Sure. But I had never seen something like Until Dawn when it came out, like a horror movie that you played. Um, I guess there's been obviously uh, survival horror games, but that one just felt really unique in that kind of, like you said, eat popcorn, watch a horror movie way. So, all right. It seems like there's smaller versions, kind of like The Last of Us and uh, Tomb Raider, those ones where those those side stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. If you want something to play with some friends on the weekend or maybe just jam through it yourself on the weekend, something that's just, you know, little jump scares and a little horror flavored. I think it's pretty cool. I, I like these. And I especially like them for the social aspect. We're definitely going to get in on the next one. And, I, you know, if they put one of these, like, once every six months, I would totally play, like, every single one. They're just a fun thing to do. Cool. All right. Um, I think that is going to do it for the show right now. Everything that was left on the script. I had a couple more. I'm going to put that to the next episode, and we're going to wrap it up right now. Uh, as always, folks, before we go, we love to get your questions, comments. Hit us up, so video games podcast at gmail.com. I will say uh, we did get some comments and some questions. We're not going to talk about those now. We're going to table those for a future show. We've got some real humdingers coming up. Um, one episode, I think. I don't know if I've told you this yet, Carlos, but uh, we got a really good topic that we can talk about. Uh, but for now, uh, we're just going to wrap the show. Uh, hit us up at so Video Games on Twitter. You can also hit us up individually. Carlos, where do you want people to investigate you this week, sir? Yeah, where should you go? Oh, just, uh, I don't know. Send a, a letter. Send <laughs> a letter. Send a letter. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of all this internet. Let's just, um... I'm not going to give you my address. Mail stop three, Western Washington, care of Carlos Rodella. Yeah, say Western Washington, Carlos Rodella, and you'll figure it out. <laughs> as for me, same as always, on Twitter, on Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. That's going to do it for episode 205. Thank you again for joining us here at So Video Games, and we will be back before you know it. In the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And this is adios from Carlos. I've never, I've never done that one. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm fucking Hispanic. Eh, try something new. I'm Hispanic-ish. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>